Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, and we are going to culminate, put the cherry on top of a fun offseason discussing for two plus months now discussing the previous rookie classes we've also discussed last week we discussed the 2022 class and now a look ahead to 2023 we currently have a a devi rookie draft that we are navigating together as co-owners but here we are pitted against each other for 2023 eligibles this is always really fun. Uh, I do put it into the mock draft database, so I'll be able to look back and we can see in even six months <laughs> how uh, crazy, good or bad, uh, some of these picks look because so much changes on the college landscape from that transfer portal to just another data point of season. So we've got three rounds to get to, much less like last week. So rapid fire coming from us and Katie Flower. Diva of Devi is officially on the clock here at 101. This is going to be three rounds, super flex, two tight end. We're going to get all the positions. No, it's not two in tight end. The mix. It's, it's not two tight end. It's one and a half points. Oh no, one and a half. Okay. We're doing the same format that we changes did. Changes everything. This changes everything. I told you it was the same. I'm, de- I'm deleting almost all of my tight ends off of my list. <laughs> And this the, as well drastically. you should. <laughs> as well you should. Okay. So it is 1.5. We'll pretend it's uh, FFPC here uh, for that position. And Katie, here we go. And dare I say, you know, these last two weeks before the NFL draft, not super exciting on the news front, everything pretty much static. But you know what? It's pretty exciting when you're pitted against each other and you're drafting for now 12 and a half months away. Yes, absolutely. So again, just to help you with player value, rookie rookie pick value at the 101 last week, Chad took Brees Hall. I'm going to take, and this is super flex, but I am still going to take Bijan Robinson running back out of Texas. He's six foot two fifteen, And he has put up in two years at Texas, 1830 rushing yards plus 491 receiving yards, 15 touchdowns. At a six and a half yards per carry clip, the best that Brees Hall did. Now, he had good production, but he averaged five and a half over his three-year career. I just think that Bijan is more of a complete back, more of a potential stud. I love Brees Hall. Don't get me wrong. So early in the draft, you're going to get a guy that's as good, if not better than what you would get at this year's 101. Yeah. Um, I, you know, B. John Robinson feels like he's been around forever. He feels like one of those old guard Debbie names just because he's been around for a while and pretty much at the top of the heap and not a lot of fanfare between, you know, not having injuries or a lot of questions so far. And now he's got one more year and should be on that. Well, if the NFL deems him worthy, first round pick and certainly one of those 
elite prospects we've seen three four of them fade to uh to round two by nfl draft purposes so really like that one and would have been my 101 as well um, this is really interesting, and I, I feel like there's a lot of. I, I actually saw one of our drafts we did for 2021 uh, just out of the corner of my eye, and a lot changes. Uh, to be fair, we had Spencer Rattler going 101 uh, about 12 months ago, just to show how the landscape at quarterback changes. And I'll tell you, um, I've got some questions about quarterbacks, and I think it's going to be an interesting. You know, where where do they go um, in this draft, and where do they go by by consensus? Because um, I, I I just have some questions, so I am going to stay out of of that realm, and I'm going to go at the position I think there's probably the biggest drop off. So I'm going to play the field in a couple different ways, but I'm going to go 102, and this might be a bit of a, a shock. I know this guy missed uh, a little bit of time this past year, but he was on such a big time track, and I really don't have many questions about him at all, which is Keyshawn Butte, uh, there for LSU wide receiver, uh, my clear wide receiver one for next year's class and a bunch of running backs. I like, and two or three quarterbacks I can see drafting relatively soon, but, um, I'm going to go with my wide receiver one here at one Oh two. That's an interesting pick, Chad. I don't disagree that he's the wide receiver one, but I would take three or four running backs and a couple quarterbacks before him at least at this point. And again, when you look at the strength of a class, it's running back quarterback if it's super flex. So I will take Spencer Rattler with the third overall pick and I'm going to run to the podium. Spicy. There's a lot of running backs that I love. And I know that there's a lot of question marks. Spencer Rattler fell on his face. He got benched and he ended up transferring to South Carolina. But if you watch the South Carolina spring game, He's got a different look in his eye. He's got the tools. There's never been a question about his arm strength. He's got enough rushing upside. He's mobile enough. Oklahoma didn't protect him. The coaches, you know, he was a winning quarterback and they still benched him with a 70% completion percentage. So I think he got a little bit of a raw deal. He thinks he's got a little bit of a raw deal. He's got a chip on his shoulder, but the look in his eye, in the spring practice tells me he's ready to go. He's fired up. The way he's talking to his teammates is different. The way that he's pumping them up. I think this helped the guy being benched. He's never been benched. He's always been the top guy, but a little comeuppance. And I think he got his comeuppance. I really think he's back and I would take him. Now, if we look at the way that it went, it went Brees Hall, then Malik Willis, and then Kenneth Walker last week. I would take Spencer Rattler five times out of five over Malik Willis on like every single time, even right now with the question marks that we have. Well, I think the interesting thing though, is you took him QB one over a couple names that are definitely more household variety. If people are talking about the 23 class, you see some mock draft projections. So you're making it based I on am projecting. That exactly. Will have his exactly. It's not based on today. It's based on Rattler, fresh chance, fresh opportunity, and a chance to bounce back. And he was, again, we, we did this draft uh, looking here. I mean, he would have been top one, top two picks. July 2021. So that's how much things have changed in the negative, but it could go right back to there um, with that talent. Uh, right. so, so this I'm one projecting, I'm projecting yeah. he's gonna all the way back big all time. Yep. Um, I like you said, three, four running backs. And uh, again, I think that is the the strong play. And I think this might be in terms of projected draft position, the one I knew the least about. 
but it's the profile I honestly trust the most out of everybody that's not named B. John Robinson. And that's Mr. Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. 95% overall in the model. He's going to be 21 years old. He's got speed for days. Uh, I've measured him uh, over 21 miles per hour. And a lot of his, um, a lot of his expectations are four fours, four threes. I mean, that's not going to be a problem. If he weighs in about 210, which is what, what he currently lists, I mean, he's got everything. He's over 90% rushing and receiving, not a lot of questions and home run speed. Doesn't seem like the NFL draft community is talking about him a ton in terms of, oh, top 50 pick, but he certainly uh, profile-wise warrants it. And I would be surprised if he falls all that far and not out of day two, just with the strong profile he's built. Uh, I think the Syracuse label is the thing that probably hurts him the most, where you think Donovan McNabb and who else you know, coming out of Syracuse. So uh, I, I think Sean Tucker, the team he plays for, the uniform is the thing that probably keeps him off the radar more than his profile. And I'm not going to play the non-UTH drafter here for this particular mock draft. I'm going to go with my guy, my That's gut, true. and uh, Tank Bixby out of Auburn. He's a big back, another big back. He's got the pedigree, six foot, 208. He averaged 5.4 in his two years at Auburn in the SEC. And a lot of people were knocking him because some of the other running backs started to get into his – his numbers, but he had over a thousand yards this year as a sophomore. He's got almost 2000 yards rushing and 300 yards receiving 15 touchdowns in two years, solid, solid numbers. I'm not falling off of him until there's proof or evidence that somebody else is better. I want to tank at running back and I'll take big speed. Love it. Yeah. One Oh five. We got three running backs and I'm going to make it a fourth uh, and a guy that has not produced much, but you know what? There's two programs as we know that you can draft a guy that has not produced much, but if they're a big time recruit and they're expected for a big time role, you can expect a big time rise in their prominence. It really just takes time. Sometimes like Brian Robinson, it takes just one year as the primary or one a option in a healthy season to be like, Oh yeah, he is an NFL starting running back and coming up. I'm going to go with Kendall Milton out of Georgia. Um, it's, it's aligning for him to have a massive breakout. He really could just be one starter year and done. He would be a 21 year old rookie. He checks a lot of those boxes, 220 pounds moves well enough. So he's got that typical, what we expect out of a Georgia back, a lot of times coming through the pipeline and now coming into his third season, it's Kendall Milton's turn. So I'm going to take him at one Oh six. That's a good call. Uh, I like that pick. I'm going to go with CJ Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio state. I don't see him falling much further than this in rookie drafts and super flex. And I think it's a bargain, uh, for what he's put up and what he's done beating out guys like, uh, uh, McCord, Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers transferred because CJ Stroud was there and put up such good numbers. So he's one of the quarterbacks that I feel pretty comfortable with, with his size and his numbers and, and what I think that he could do projected to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, one question I have about him is the mobility or the rushing upside in the NFL factor, high school, college, it hasn't really been that much uh, of a part of his game. So I do wonder 
about that. Now he's obviously, you know, going to be in the running for potentially 101 or high first uh, of the of the NFL draft board and highly conducive system, big time weapons around him. So it's not like a fall off this year production wise is all that likely for CJ Stroud. And I, and I would venture a guess. What do you think, Katie? He goes before 107 in almost every mock draft if they were doing it without us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And at this point in time in last week's draft, we didn't, we had one quarterback taken. Uh, actually, yeah, we had the one quarterback taken at the 102 Malik Willis. Yep. But uh, I think that Spencer Radler and CJ Stroud are far superior prospects to even the 102 last time Malik Willis. Yep, I agree with that. Um, I'm going to take another pipeline uh, running back here. It's a it's a golden opportunity transferring in, and I think if we can see Josh Jacobs rise in a receiving centric role for Alabama and end up being a first round pick. I mean, a guy that has a ton of buzz and I wish he was a little bit bigger, but he's got an elite uh, receiving score. He's got a 72% rushing score. He's going to be one of the youngest running backs of next year's class if he declares. And that's Jameer Gibbs. So I, I think he probably goes earlier than this in a lot of mock drafts. I like him enough. I think there's enough questions about everybody else in the running back group. And I don't love wide receiver enough to kind of jump into wide receiver two at this point, as well as a, a prominent quarterback still remaining. So I'm going to go Jameer Gibbs at 108. He's got a ton of buzz. A lot of people have him as the running back two off the board, yeah. which is interesting. Um, so I think that's a great pick, and that's where I, I would have taken him. I almost took him instead of C.J. Stroud. But now I'm going to take another quarterback, Bryce Young out of Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner. He's on the small side. That will be That will be in the conversation for him. Yeah. And he's not a real rushing quarterback like the ones that we expect, but people still think he's a rushing quarterback. Um, but here at the 109, again, I think he's a much better quarterback than Malik Willis. I think he's a much better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett went at the 110 last week. George Pickens was at the 109. I mean, we were already drafting three or four or five different wide receivers. The strength of a rookie class is in the running back and quarterback. We've had one wide receiver go and three quarterbacks and six running backs, five running backs. So you do the math, people out there with 23 picks, they're <laughs> worth collecting. And if you're sitting on the clock at 104, 105, and you're not sure which wide receiver to take, if you can get a decent piece plus that 23 first, that's a smash accept. Yep. Um, all right. Running backs. I, I collected the two or three that, that I liked out of this group. You, you had Tank Bigsby during that little mini run. The two main quarterbacks are gone. Neither one overly mobile, which is one of my bigger questions. Bryce Young also has the size concern. So we're late in the first round here, uh, 110, and I'm going to take Michael uh, Michael Mayer. Uh, he's He might be, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it. Maybe he's the only tight end we draft. Uh, it certainly is probably the only one in a while coming up here, but he's got major uh, Devi uh, implications. And with the premium format, I think you take him over the other questions about who's going to be a first round wide receiver. We know that threshold is, is tough to sharpshoot at times uh, for the position. And if, you know, if you draft at this point in time and they end up around three pick or beyond, that's a train wreck. That's a train wreck 12 months out uh, wide receiver selection. So I'm going to take Michael Mayer. I think at worst, he's a, a mid second or early second, but I think he has a legit chance and more of a chance than this year's class to go in the first round. 
That's a good call. And I don't disagree with you there. I'm going back to running back. I think that even with Jameer Gibbs transferring from Georgia Tech over to Alabama, I think Jace McFallon has shown mm-hmm. he's the bigger back. He's the guy that can be that three down more of, of the bell cow type NFL back. And he may end up having a better NFL career than he's had waiting his turn at Alabama, but he's got good size. He's uh 5'11", 2'12". He can show, he has shown that he can catch. He's going to have a lot of competition with Jameer Gibbs, but if they both stay healthy, I think that McClellan could be a steal. And we had Isaiah Spiller at 111. Just again, as much as I've always loved Isaiah Spiller, he's not as fast as what, I mean, people watching his film, you knew he wasn't super fast anyway, but and as a running back, you can make up for it. Guys with four, six speed can still do something. But I think that McClellan is quicker, stronger, and as good as Isaiah Spiller. And I would gladly take him here. Yeah. I mean, without his knee injury, uh, which cost him a decent chunk of last year, he was a big time breakout candidate. He was rising in 2020. And I just, he was honestly, other than Michael Mayer, he was going to be my pick. And I was like, "Uh, I think it's a little early, you know, for just him going back to a, a different depth chart, a different look there. But certainly the talent is there, like you're saying to say, Hey, Alabama out Georgia, you don't technically have to have some rarefied air production stats to say that you can be a top two or three round selection. McLean certainly uh, could be a better NFL player or NFL producer than we've seen in college. All right, closing out round one here. And I'm going to go towards wide receiver. And I got this feeling. (laughs) It's almost like I got the fever um, that, that the Alabama wide receiver you want this coming year and again, attaching yourself to quarterbacks, attaching yourself to programs, attaching yourself to stable situations year over year where there's not a lot of changeover. You can get that freshman phenom quarterback, that sophomore uh, sophomore superstar that is still going to be around. I think that's key. And when Alabama sniped you know, off the transfer portal, Jermaine Burton, I my ears perked straight up in the air because... I don't think, you know, this whole pipeline and all of a sudden, you know, second year, third year, we see the the homegrown talent of Alabama's wide receiver core. We got Agee Hall, who is transferring out. And I think this is going to be Jermaine Burton entering year three, who's done something uh, at his previous stop. I think that he's going to have a massive season. And I think it's going to be hard to keep him out of that top one, two, three, four discussion of the class, whether it's rookie draft or NFL draft, because he's going to be right in front of our faces every single week. And I think he's going to be the wide receiver one. And when you say Alabama wide receiver one attached to Bryce Hall, already a known commodity at the college level, um, I think that whole formula turns into a, a pretty magic elixir to get here to close the first round. Yeah, uh, that was a surprise pick, but I don't disagree with you there. And I'm going to take a swing for the fences and go for a wide receiver that I think could have a huge, huge, huge bounce back. Five-star athlete. Everybody expected him to do well. Got injured, banged up, played for Oklahoma. So you knew that they were going to have some good quarterbacks. But I'm going to go with Jaden Hazelwood out of Arkansas. And KJ Jefferson is a solid quarterback. They got a lot of their offensive line back, good defense, coach Sam Pittman in year three. And already Jaden Hazelwood has been given that Traylon Burks wide receiver one role. He looked pretty good in spring practice. He's been, you know, in the books, studying, 
ready to go. I think there's other running, uh, other wide receivers that will have question marks, but this guy could rise up draft boards very quickly. I'm going to project him already right there. Yeah. And if you are going to project, you got to go to big programs and, and big names. And, and certainly both of those are, are boxes checked by Hazelwood. And, and like you said, I mean, it just takes one year. It takes one year, one pop off to really uh, get back into the good graces that he was in getting drafted uh, relatively high in Debbie, uh, Debbie drafts when he was coming in as a freshman. Um, all right. I am going to go with another pipeline guy. And, and certainly you could say things with no Chris Olave or aligning that he is going to uh, perk right up. So I attached myself to Bryce Young, this last one. And now I'm going to attach myself to CJ Stroud with Jackson Smith, Najigba, um, who has been rising. And uh, we've got, what's that? You sniped me. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we'll see about Marvin Harrison Jr., who's not eligible. Uh, so he's coming off the pipeline. They've got, I mean, it's just one guy after another. And it's been that way for a few years now. But Jackson Smith and the Jigba, I just think, you know, the production is going to keep rising. And even if uh, I'm not the greatest fan of his, I do think, whether it's profiles or like you said, projecting ahead, especially when you get outside the top, maybe five to 10 picks of a draft like this, you just start taking shots on the perfect storm of who could actually return, like, like, in a Debbie draft, who could be a first round rookie pick uh, 12 months from now? Yeah. And you sniped me completely. I didn't really see that coming. Um, good, good we're going to reset the clock, everybody. We're going to, we're going to change the, uh, we're going to put on the elevator music. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with a running back. I'm going back to the running back factory. We still got lots and lots of guys. Oh, yeah. Zach Evans, as much as I hate TCU, I really do hate TCU, but Zach Evans has shown that he was a five-star stud and then he slipped because he's a bit of a head case, but he's shown maturity and there's a lot of buzz in the community. I think that in this spot as a running back, even though he's a little bit undersized, he's got some juice. And as long as he can carve yeah. out a role, I think he can do that in the NFL. And that's who I'm going to take. Yeah. He plays a little bigger than his listed size. He he's going over to old miss. So he, you know, that right. trans, that transfer label, getting that starting job, not that he didn't have one before, but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, that is certainly a conducive system for a high production. All right. Uh, we are at, what are we at? 204. 16 uh, overall. Yeah. yeah. 204, man, this is, this is interesting. Um, I am going to, there's a number of productive wide receivers. Um, I think it feels like waiting on running back. It feels like I got to do it um, just because I think there's a complete lack of clarity. So I'm going to go over to wide receiver and I'm going to take Quentin Johnson out of TCU. Uh, he's been a high level producer. Um, and it, like you said, TCU, not exactly a pipeline program, but he was a rare big get for them. Uh, 97, 247 composite score as a recruit. And he's come in and all he's done right away is just produce. And what I also like is he came in very skinny and he's up over 200 pounds now. Uh, so more of that taller, lankier frame. And so that's been uh, a boost. He's been highly productive, as I mentioned, and dominating that program from you know the get-go, two elite market share seasons in a row. So he certainly has the argument to, to say he could be a first-round rookie pick. Uh, he could be a top 50 NFL draft pick, and I'll take him here at wide receiver five of the class. Good pick. Um, I don't disagree with you. He's somebody that I considered last time, but 
the TCU, the Josh Doxson was the last TCU oh, yeah. wide receiver that I'm ever going to draft. You're hurting everybody. You're hurting everybody so, saying Josh Doxson. <laughs> well, but it does hurt because mm-hmm. TCU is kind of like Baylor. They're a Fugazi and you can't rely on them getting them ready for the NFL. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Parker Washington, Penn State wide nice. receiver. He's decent size. He's thick as a stake. He's fairly productive. Penn State has put some pretty good guys in the NFL, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, and I uh, Jahan Dotson. And Jah- well, yeah, potentially. We don't know where he's going to land or anything, but um, I'm going to take Parker Washington here. Yeah, I like that. So that's 205. Uh, so 206, uh, we're about halfway through the draft here. And Oh, uh, I'm going to take a, a high floor guy. I'm going to take someone that, man, he would have been gone at least a round ago uh, if we were doing this draft for 2023 or whenever he was eligible. Um, and I know it's, you know, you're not supposed to take seniors and all this kind of stuff, or, or I guess beyond three-year players. I'm going to take Zach Charbonnet. Um, he's one that, uh, again, it, it seems like playing longer has hurt his profile or hurt his appeal. He went over to UCLA. He's a big back. He's got good feet. He's a two-way producer. And he was an elite recruit coming out. So I think there's a lot of upside. I don't think he has top 45, top 50 NFL draft potential, but I do think he has a good argument. Like a lot of the guys we're seeing in that three, four round range uh, this year, I think he kind of blends in with those types that frankly are going in the second round. Uh, a couple of them might drift to the third round of, of super flex rookie drafts this year. Um, and I think, I think Charbonnet uh, mixes in well with those guys. That's a good pick. I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma wide receiver Marvin Mims. He's been fairly productive at this point in the draft. He, I think he's going to get a little bit more draft pedigree potentially than some of the other guys, but um, I like the profile. I've always liked him more than you have, but uh, at this point, I'll take that shot. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a talent, a guy I actually just saw in a spring game uh, not too long ago. And you know what? He's not even the starter for his team, but he has been the starter for his team. He has NFL tools. And we talk about uh, drafting traits sometimes, especially at running back, where you may just be trapped. And he is absolutely trapped behind one of the top Debbie names out there in the entire space. I'm going to take a guy we drafted late last year. I think there's a lot of potential. Um, I think he's a bowling ball with legs. I watched him do do this in the Ohio State spring game uh, not a week ago, and it just affirmed a lot of the things I saw. And I mean, it's hard to find guys with his BMI of 33, 34 at a major conference and a guy that can play. I'm going to take a, a wild swing on a guy that, you know what, all it takes is an injury ahead of him. And he's in the forethought, uh, forefront of thoughts again this year. And that's Mayan Williams. Ohio State. It's not a bad pick. All right. I'm going back to quarterback. Um, I am not sure that this guy has it in him to resurrect himself. He's got Cade Klubnick to fight at Clemson for the starting gig. And I do think that his starting life is on the line, kind of like Spencer Rattler was with Caleb Williams coming in there. I'm going to go with DJ Uyunglele. His Just his physical talent alone yeah. would make him a steal at this point in a super flex draft. Let's say he gets day two capital instead of round one. Uh, I still think that's a decent place for him to learn and grow with whatever team and potentially end up a starter 
it's hard to find guys 240 plus with his mobility and his power arm. Now, can he corral it? Can he, like you said, hold the hold the lead job? And but later second, I mean, that feels like the quality quarterback. If you got to feel, you know, dart throw on a guy that has at least the profile if he turns it around to to be right up there. A lot of a uh, lot of upside there. All right, um, I am going to go with wow. Uh, the fall off is real. All right. I'm going to go with a metric guy out of wide receiver. Uh, frankly, one of the last one or two that I would consider drafting in this one. So uh, teaser there on, on where I might be looking elsewhere, but a guy that, that fell off a little bit this past year, but he was a freshman dynamo, you know, one of the top Debbie names when you rewind post freshman year. Uh, it's not a pipeline program, but it is a, a, a program that's on the uptick here. And that's uh, a guy with big thickness, big speed, Rakeem Jarrett out of Maryland. And we are at 210. That's uh, Stefan Diggs' alma mater. And if Stefan Diggs can do it, why can't Rakeem? Yeah, that's for the Twitter folks out there <laughs> just to banter about. I'm going back to running back, a guy that's been off the radar for a long time because of injuries, car crash, stuff that was beyond his control, also in the Alabama pipeline. And he was a five-star coming out, coming in as a freshman, six foot, 214, Trey Sanders. I think he's just got that dripping athleticism that even if he just has a burst anywhere in his senior final season, he's coming out. And at this point in the draft, you're looking for guys that could potentially be an injury away type players in the NFL. He could own it if he gets that shot. Yeah. The main thing I wonder with him is, it seems like he's a little buried. He's been a five-star guy. Uh, you know, without that injury, that injury was super key. I just, I, I wonder if he's going to come out. That would, that would be maybe the main thing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, five-star guy, Alabama, that equation. You're like, eh, late second, early third. Uh, absolutely. You know, you I take that shot until he completely matter? doesn't choose football. Is <laughs> basically, well, basically at the timetable you need to have the patience factor with these type of profiles. All right. Uh, I'm going to take my shot on a guy that, again, I'm going to double down. Uh, he's got his main weapon coming back. Didn't go to the NFL this past year. And one of my favorite quarterback flyers, when I say the traits are there, the model uh, profile is there checking the boxes. And he's a big guy. He's mobile. I love the arm. I love the touch. And he doesn't get a lot of, um, a lot of notoriety, but he goes to Notre Dame. He transfers out. He's been leading a, let's face it, not surrounded by big-time talent at Boston College. And I just believe in him. I, I believe in this player. He didn't come out this past year because I think he was hurt a little bit, but Zay Flowers is back, who he might turn him into an NFL wide receiver. And that's Phil Yurkovic out of Boston College uh, to close round two at 212. I knew who you were talking about yeah. when you first started. I already had it filled in yeah. the Excel spreadsheet. That's how much <laughs> I know you, Chad. Yeah. Before you even mentioned I love that guy. Or Notre Dame, I knew who you were going for. Uh, there's still so many running backs that are interesting prospects. Um, one guy that's getting some buzz right now. And again, I don't know that he's going to be early in the draft in the NFL, but I think that for a third round rookie pick, you're looking for running backs with a decent profile injury away type NFL guys. I'm going to go with Blake Corum out of Michigan. He's short, but 200 pounds, so stocky. And he's been showing some juice, getting a lot of buzz lately. Be interesting to see where he ends up next year. 
Yeah, uh, I think there's four, five, six uh, running backs like him that are that are very interesting. You know, in terms of can they be a little heavier? Can they be dynamic? Hassan Haskins not being there, uh, a number of factors that that could help Corum this coming year. All right, uh, man, I am going to take uh, another another quarterback profile. This one you probably can't predict, Katie, because. If you know, my bigger concerns with some of those top guys is the mobility factor. And I think if you can get a guy that checks enough boxes passing wise, but has hyper mobility and enough size where you go, uh, you know, they're not going to view him. I think it's, uh, what is it, Derek King or someone like that, where it's like uh, 190 pounds. Like, what are they going to project to in the NFL? But if you can get the puzzle pieces coming together at quarterback, that's how you can get the didn't see that coming. 12 months before they end up declaring for the draft. And that's going to be Cameron Reesing, I think, uh, here out of Utah. If you haven't heard about him, he's 6'2", 220, had a really nice breakout season this past year. And I think there's more things to come. And going back to high school, hypermobile, he's averaging in college 6.5 yards per rush. And for folks that don't know, I mean, quarterbacks, that accounts for sacks. So, so you get subtracted for, for minus sack yardage. And so 6.5, just to put it on a spectrum, is an elite number. A Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, I mean, way up there. If you're above 4.5 or 5, that is a number where you could project someone to literally be Jalen Hurts style, a quarterback one, almost regardless of what you're doing passing-wise in the NFL. So he's going to be my big riser. You know, you Phil Yurkovic, you probably could have seen that coming a mile away because I loved him last year and nothing much has changed. But but Reesing is one that I think is a new name, a new sleeper for this coming year that a lot of people might not see coming. But hyper mobility pays the bills in fantasy as long as you get decent enough capital. And he checks the passing boxes enough to say the profile is here. And don't be surprised 12 months if we're talking about it. I'm going to go, since we're going with sleepers, uh, a guy that I think that could be a riser. I mentioned him earlier in the show, KJ Jefferson, nice. the quarterback for Arkansas. He's a big dude that can run. He's got some good speed. It's not quickness, short area quickness. It's build up speed. He's 245. He he's, a monster, he's, a, yeah. he's like a Cam Newton type of big frame quarterback oh, yeah. that can run. He's got a decent arm, fairly accurate. He ended up uh, with 9.9 adjusted yards per attempt, 21 touchdowns, four INTs in his junior season. He owns the starting job this year. He was actually a sophomore, redshirt sophomore last year. But I think that there's talk that he is way low on the totem pole in the Heisman Trophy, but he has had a very little bit, very, very little bit of Heisman buzz but he could, he could with Kendall Bryles as the offensive coordinator and Sam Pittman as his coach, they've got some decent weapons this year and he could be in that conversation late in the year. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to go with straight gas here. Uh, this might be of everyone we've drafted so far, this might be, and, and Sean Tucker, no offense, but this guy's right there with you. Uh, Keaton Mitchell out of uh, East Carolina as my as one of my dart throws here in round three because uh, he's got straight gas five uh, nine about 190 pounds but I measured him at 22.6 miles per hour which is ridiculous like going over 22 is a monster number and it pretty much locks you into 440 435 I mean everything with four three X's in play for you and this guy 80 percent brushing score 92 percent receiving score. 
Uh, we'll see if he comes out, you know, just a third year player. And obviously, you know, not from a monster conference or team, but Keaton Mitchell, big time profile that, I mean, if you want, you know, if you're going to go subsized, you better be super dynamic. He absolutely is. And uh, again, he's going to have an opportunity for just straightforward playing time as he has so far in his career. Yeah, you mentioned him last night on a on a Debbie show that we were working on. I'm going to go with a guy that I mentioned on that show last night, and I have now learned how to pronounce his name, <laughs> but we're going to go across the seas to Israel. Ooh. Israel Abanakanda out of pit. He's a decent size. He's 215 pounds and an intriguing prospect. He can catch and run. And again, I like that kind of profile this late in a, in a rookie draft. Yeah, that's what uh, I mean. Debbie is fun because honestly, he's a name six months ago. Didn't have any idea he existed. And, and you start looking it up more and more. He's young. He's, he's got a lot of appeal and he's got enough production. And when you say it's almost like a baby deer, like, can he keep learning, keep progressing, staying hungry for a guy that has a lot of physical traits that you like? Uh, Abana Canada is kind of one of those interesting names that, uh, that fits that type of bucket. Um, all right. I'm going to go with, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with, man, see, I, I have NFL traits running backs and I think this guy is going to get squeezed out in his own depth chart in a major way, which to me is a big downturn and probably puts him on the mid or late day three kind of landscape. Um, you know, unless he blows away and I don't think he's going to blow away. I'm going to go, I'm going to pivot though. I'm going to go to Christopher Rodriguez. Um, he kind of reminds me of Tyler Algier in a way that he just has a lot of solid James Connor type, you know, minus minus, but James Connor type profile of saying he's a solid player in all regards, 220 plus pounds. He's got enough speed He's good enough all around that I think he's going to be one of those round three, four, five NFL draft picks. And at worst, an injury away, at worst, close to the action and mid third here. Um, I think he's probably one of the highest floor guys left. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of pit. He's on the slender side, but we've discovered that really size does not matter in the NFL. If you've got the route running and other abilities, He's been fairly productive, 2,259 yards, 14.1 average yards per carry, 21 touchdowns, and a little bit of receiving two years at Pitt in the ACC. Uh, I just like his style. I like his game. I don't think he's going to be an alpha, but he could be in, in round three. I don't typically draft wide receivers, but the running backs, we've drafted so many of them, <laughs> and they're falling off quickly. I'd rather go with a guy that I think is – a little more higher upside. Yep. Uh, like that. I'm going to go with another quarterback. Uh, keep taking sleepers because as we know, uh, you know, we're talking about some guys that, you know, Desmond Ritter, or a few other that we not talking about as a first rounder possibility in the NFL draft. And yet here we are, and they may, you know, in a week's time get there uh, with the draft pedigree that we're, that we're seeking. So I'm going to go with a, a guy that was on that first round potential label a year ago. And now he returns uh, to college. He checks uh, a lot of the boxes I'm looking for. Um, I, I really think he has some Justin Herbert type, uh, type stuff going on to his profile in terms of you can't find 6'5". You kind of mentioned it with DJU, you know, that, that there's certain types of profiles it's difficult to find. And a mobile 6'5", 220 plus pound 
uh, option that has shown uh, good functionality in the passing game is hard to find. And I'm going to go with Tyler Shuck uh, there for Texas Tech. Uh, he actually just uh, today, he got uh, Cooper, uh, not Cooper Cup, uh, Baylor Cup um, as a transfer uh, going Big over difference. there to Texas Tech as well. So uh, Tyler Shuck, I might have been just a year early and and holding just a year longer in, in Devi last year, but here at 308, I'll take him. Okay. Uh, even though it's only one and a half PPR for tight end, I am going to break the seal on tight end two. I'm going to go with Jaheim Bell out of South Carolina. He's going to have Spencer Radler throwing to him this year. I think, uh, you know, of all the prospects, he's more than solid, not great, but yeah. this deep in tight end premium, I'd take a shot on him. Yeah. Big juice. He, he's got big athletic juice. He's one of the big playmakers. And like you said, that quarterback upgrade could be the thing that unlocks him. South Carolina is going to be a really interesting team with Marshawn Lloyd coming back. And uh, they've got a couple, you know, they got Austin Stogner, you know, uh, yeah. as well. So I'm really interested to see that come together. Um, I'm going to go with uh, probably the only other tight end I take here, Sam Laporta. Um, I've also been a, a dying fan of his um, over the last couple of years. I thought he might come out this year. He's so smooth. He's the next Iowa pipeline tight end. Probably not going TJ Hawkinson level in the draft or anything, but he's got the athleticism. He's going to be projected as one of the top guys of 2023 in terms of his athleticism and movement at 6'4", about 250. Uh, so behind Michael Mayer, I mean, as you see, there's three, four, five guys that are probably in that discussion to be tied in to Michael Mayer with the big lead. But here later in the third round, like you said, it's tied in premium. And if you've got a take on a guy that could be a second round NFL draft pick, good value here. That sounds good. And I'm going to take my final pick, a big swing at the pinata. Somebody that has done very well in college. He's averaging 12.5 adjusted yards per attempt, Ooh. 54 touchdowns, six INTs, Mr. Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. He's done nothing but, you know, just be very dominant. And of course, he is in a weaker conference, but other guys have made it. Why not him? All you can ask is be dominant, you know, and play the teams you're playing, right? And, right. and you're talking about a guy that, you know, 210 and he's mobile and he's been dominant as a passer, checks all the boxes. That's all, that's pretty much all you can. And if people want to downgrade him, I mean, you're getting him at QB, I don't know, 10 or something. I mean, it's, it's way late. The point is way late. Um, and that would actually be another thing. I mean, look how many quarterbacks we drafted where I think a lot of people in, in Debbie would say it's Stroud, it's, it's Bryce Young in some order, and then three through infinity, you know, is, is in their view, pretty up in the air and kind of shows it with the volume on the shots we're taking here in the late second and on into the third round. All right. Uh, as you know, usually the last pick in the draft is uh, a chance to either a make a statement or B just draft one of your favorite players, one of your favorite guys. And I'm going to go with a little of both, but uh, I'm going to go with drafting one of my favorite guys, because this is someone that I'm, I'm sure his entire football life he has been the he, he has been the underdog. He has been the guy that, frankly, I kind of knew a, a kid like this when I was a, a, you know undersized. But you know what? We would play touch uh, touch football or we play tag. And you know what? He was never it, not once. <laughs> so uh, he was just he, you know you had to basically double or triple to him to have any chance. He had such moves uh, and basically having to get by on agility and burst and acceleration. And the guy that I just I've watched so many of his games in college. He's undersized. He's in the 170s. And you know what? I don't care. He might run in the four threes. He's been 
98% receiving guy, 85% rushing guy. And again, subsized and undervalued, underrated and overlooked for his entire football career. I, I guarantee it. And that's Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. I don't know what happens with him. He's going to be a 21-year-old rookie if he comes out next year. Is he going to be viewed as anything more than an, maybe at best an early day three pick? I have no idea. But guy can play. I'm rooting for him. He's had two dominant seasons. And when you say, oh, he's subsized, well, at least he's electric and he can, he can, he can play inside. Not that the NFL may use him that way, but what would a subsized guy, you want him to be dominant as a receiver. He's been elite at 18, 19 years old as a receiver. So nothing else you can ask for. And again, a guy that I just want Deuce Vaughn to know that I'm not counting him out. That, that I have not lost faith of a guy that wasn't a big-time recruit, doesn't go to a big-time program, but he's a big-time football player. And I, I can't wait to see how that turns out. And at 312, I'll gladly take a player that I just wholeheartedly believe in. Yeah. Uh, I would not have made him my mystery relevant, but I can see why that you did. When we look at last week, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and I know that Malik Willis went too, but I was not playing the role of UTH drafter. I didn't draft who I wanted to. I dropped what the consensus from the mock drafts that I've been doing. And so after Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, there's really nobody I'm excited about for the rest of the whole first round. If I got some early second round picks, I like the value of potentially a Matt Corral or a Zamir White or a Brian Robinson or a Sam Howell or even a Desmond Ritter, but they're all basically shake them up in a bag and spit them out and just pick, pick one. Whereas in this draft, I think for me, the drop-off started somewhere around the middle of the second round, right in that Rakeem Jarrett, Trey Sanders, Phil Yurkovic range. Yeah. Um, I, so definitely the whole first round, I felt very comfortable. Any combination of the guys that we mentioned, Bijan Robinson, Keyshawn Butte, Spencer Rattler, Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby, Kendall Milton, CJ Stroud, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Love, Michael Mayer, and, uh, Jace McClellan. That's the top 12. And we didn't even slow down to take a breath. We were running to the podium had, and even, you know, guys like Jermaine Burton, Jaden Hazelwood, Jackson Smith, Najibba, Zach Evans, Quentin Johnson, Parker Washington, Zach Charbonnet, Marvin Mims, freaking Mayan Williams, late round two, DJ Uyangalale. I mean, this 23 class is solid at the top, but strong. And as we've mentioned in comparing to other classes in the past, the sign of a good class is the strength of the running back and the quarterback if it's a super flex. And we have that in spades. Yeah. Uh, we had basically half the first two rounds were, were running backs, you know, and, and the depth of, of quarterback and the, the potential players there. But yeah, this has got me excited, you know, and, and we were actually a little more aligned. I mean, we're folks that, you know, uh, if you draft together, you, you co-own together. Uh, you're probably gonna have some similar views on players, you know, as you go along and, and iron sharpens iron. So I uh, actually have a co-ownership uh, podcast coming out later in this week, uh, just talking about the the pros and cons and selecting a co-owner and, and just kind of navigating that process. But, uh, but yeah, Katie and I doing that together in Debbie and having our discussions and drafts on an annual basis in those leagues uh, is so informative uh, for, for myself, uh, just talking Debbie with 
with uh, with someone that's uh, plugged in, informed, and and playing in those same types of leagues that I do, uh, that go deep and and going three rounds, you know, more than two rounds, and and getting an extra twelve players in, super key there. So the diva of Debbie, uh, if you want to contact her between episodes, this is you know between I would say late February or March, and then on through, you know, you have some combined drafts, but we have plenty that are going, you know, the week before the NFL draft, sometimes earlier, because Debbie is usually before the NFL draft, I would say sometimes after. Um, but if you have questions, Katie flowers at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL, uh, a reminder about content coming out the, the UTH NFL draft guide. The post draft edition will be up by Sunday night. If you want to get a free copy, you can still sign up at patreon.com slash UTH. Uh, you become uh, part of the VIP tier, uh, sign up for all pro. You get a free copy of the draft guide. You're going to pay less than if you just buy it a la carte. I've had a number of people this month to do that. Uh, and thanks so much for your, for your support. Uh, and again, premium podcast, trade calculator, rankings, data, everything you need over at uthdynasty.com to have your best dynasty season yet in 2022, including combo drafts, Debbie drafts, anything you have going on that we exhibited drafting for 2023 here in this episode. So for Katie, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. <laughs>